Welcome to the podcast. I hope you've checked out my previous podcast. So uh, tonight I'm going to share a different type of story while I drink my whiskey and fall quietly asleep. Now I swear all these stories are as true as the sky's blue. I recorded one the other day and thought, ah, oh, I can't tell him this. <laughs> so, so I shared it with an old girlfriend. She's just about my most favorite person in the world and she was extremely troubled by it and agreed with me that the rest of you are not ready for it. It was a story about karma and the mob, counterfeit money, and a guy on wide world of sports and me. If nothing else, I got what was coming to me, and I got it real good. I've uh, lived a wild and adventurous life because this is my last rodeo. I stopped recycling after this trip. Reincarnation, it's real. You all are evolving towards something. In the end, you will have fully expressed your core nature and reside in the bosom of either dark or light. Just can't get there in a single life. It might take a moment to decide, but it requires many, many lifetimes to become it fully. Enough of the truth. Let me share a story. <clears throat> An ordinary story. To prove to all of you that you should be more aware of your own life and realize that your life is full of really cool stories. From those stories you can learn great things about yourself and other people and even the mysteries of the universe are weaved in and out of all of our stories. You just need to dwell on them a bit. Too many of you are not looking hard enough to see what is right in front of your face. So I'm going to prove it to you right now with a boring story about a guy that lived near me out here in the woods. He's dead now. I pass his dad on the old blacktop once in a while. His dad never waves at me. I reckon he heard a story different than the one I'm going to tell you. I live in southeastern Kansas. It's not flat with golden wheat fields, but beautiful and natural. Rivers and streams weave around fat hills that squeeze them tight choked by oak trees and things that will kill you slow like rattlesnakes and copperheads the color of brown and golden leaves laying on the floor. We have tick nests large enough to make you sterile and old stories about people being murdered. We have ghost stories, stories about 
Bigfoot, and stories you just don't talk about with visitors. Josh was not what you would call a good guy. His mom and dad are good people. His brother and sister are pillars of the community. But Josh came into the world broken, angry, and wanted out from the very beginning. I had started my business from my dining room table, grew it large enough to need room for boxes and whatnot. So I bought the nicest building in a small town about six miles from my home and set up shop for two years until I needed two more larger buildings and a bunch of employees. But back when I had started the business, I began an internet radio show. It was 2007, I think, and the show grew pretty fast. Almost as fast as a business because they were intertwined. I used the show to advertise my heirloom vegetable seeds. I had invented the all-in-one garden kit and the world was beating its way to my front door. Anyway, I really did two shows. One was in the afternoon. It grew a lot and quickly expanded to uh, 205 AM stations across the nation. Most were smaller cities, but I was also in Minneapolis and Austin, Texas. But my nighttime show was my favorite because I could talk like this, tell stories like this. And since I didn't have any AM stations with it and was just talking to a few thousand people at most, I could drink a little whiskey during the show because whiskey helps. The uh, producer of the show was in Oregon. He was worthy of a story on this podcast. <laughs> Just not yet. Um, my live show began at midnight and went to 2 a.m. I had a window in my office. The small town is on its last legs. You probably drove through a few towns exactly like this one. All the storefronts are abandoned. The roofs are collapsing. Paint's peeling. Everybody has moved to the big city. But here they have two street lights and they both turn off around 10 p.m. Why they have them at all, <laughs> I don't know. I would sit there talking to my listeners just as I am to you right now. Snow was falling rather heavy one night. It was quiet. I could see all the way from one end of Main Street where my business was to the other end of town. Snow a few inches thick. I was the only one in the world witnessing 
the town dog hump a cat on the sidewalk in the snow. It was perfect. So I'm right in the middle of a show and I hear this rumble. I looked and it was an old Buick four-door. The exhaust was dragging on the ground. It was Josh and one in the morning. He fell out of his car, rolled in the snow, and after slipping a few times like a drunk on ice skates, he made his way to my glass entry door. I excused myself to the few thousand sleepy listeners and unlocked the door. He was laughing so hard I'm sure the microphone was picking it up. He demanded I come see this, so I tried to smoothly transition to a commercial break and Frank in Oregon, a great guy, and uh, probably has an FBI file thicker than mine, started to play my seed commercials while I followed no good Josh outside. He explained that the park ranger and sheriff were pursuing him for what was in the trunk. I looked down and there was blood all over the rear bumper and trunk lid where he had shut it. Now this this guy Josh well he was a scoundrel but I played a scoundrel too once and well I'm okay with shady people but there was a good chance there was a body of somebody I knew in that trunk. There's not that many people out here. The only question was were they dead or alive? So he opened it up and laying there, sad, broken, frail, and bloody, was a small deer with a bullet right through its heart. It was not deer season yet, and it is not legal at any time to shoot baby deer, and especially from the road. He said the police slid off the road and into a ditch while chasing him. He was also intoxicated. Out here we call it WD-40. It's code for driving while drunk. I started to hastily wipe the blood off the rear of his car using the snow while he went on laughing at how the sheriff couldn't catch him. Of course... Josh spent more time in jail than out, but I never held it against him. He didn't mean to be bad. He just couldn't help but do the wrong thing at the right time. I say that because he was out of money and had no food. So he did what I used to do in Montana. Go kill something. The problem was, in Montana you could get away with it because of the lack of people. But even in this rural part of Kansas, we had one deputy that patrolled the entire county. But since Josh was the biggest scoundrel, he spent most of his time waiting for Josh. It was a cat and mouse game, I think. They both liked it. Josh lost most of the time. I had to get back on the air, so I told Josh to drive the alley and go home. I told him to leave the deer in the trunk 
until I got there after the show ended and I could take it out without leaving a trail of blood from the trunk to his house. I knew eventually the deputy was going to show up at his house and having drips of blood in the snow from your trunk to the back door was not going to end well for Josh. I went back on the radio and actually shared what had just happened. I even said I might end early to help him cover up the crime. Nobody within 200 miles had access to my show, so I wasn't worried about that. Hell, the locals thought we had a tiny business when I was doing almost $3 million a year, so the last thing I was concerned with was the locals seeing or hearing about it. They aren't real bright. I drove to Josh's house, made sure the deputy wasn't watching, and got the deer inside the back porch, covered it up with a tarp, and went inside and found Josh laying on the floor, passed out. No wood stove going. I put a dirty old pillow under his head. I left him there on the floor. He was pretty close to the stove. I started a fire and crammed it with hedge so it would burn until daybreak, although I knew he wouldn't wake up until noon. A couple of years later my business had moved to Branson, Missouri and in the middle of the night I had dreamed that Josh was going to die soon in a car accident. It wasn't the first time I had dreamed something like that that proved to be true. The first time happened when I was ten. I was flying around town when I suddenly found myself several miles outside of town on a small highway. I was about a hundred feet in the air when I witnessed a car swerving and missing a turn and crashing into the trees. Not very different from my own suicide attempt in episode two. I somehow knew it was my best friend's mom without seeing her. They lived next to us, neighbors. I remember the next day vividly that he was pulled out of our classroom and went to the principal's office. Told that his mom was gone forever. I felt guilty that I knew before anybody else. Before the dream about Josh dying and after I covered up the deer murder, he came to me to make a business arrangement. For some reason I agreed to it and we bought 40 horses, all about a year old. The deal was I was the money and he would break them, take them to the sale barn and we'd split the money. It didn't work out because Josh would <laughs> take a horse about every week and sell him off the internet to some family that loved pretty horses. He had then drink that money away or use it to buy weed from a family that grows it out here by the river and sells it to the Mexican cartel. Josh explained to me how it all goes down. 
The family of growers would grow it under pine trees so that the heat signature would dissipate as the heat rose and got divided by the evergreen pine needles in the tree. Just like a radiator on your car. The air goes between thousands of aluminum fins and cools off. See, all those needles have moisture in them. And as the heat from the illegal plant rises, it gets cooled by the tens of thousands of pine needles. The plane above with the technology to catch growers might read it as warmer than expected, but not hot like marijuana plants. He said that they've been doing it for years, and he was the guy that harvested the plants and stuck them in pipes, placed them in the river for the cartel to pick up. At the time, I thought it was a tall tale, but I now know one of the pot-growing family members. He and I buy and trade old hot rods from time to time. And like every outlaw, he trusts me. And he has reason to. Back to Josh. Selling horses each week and losing my shirt on the deal. You might wonder how it took me so long to figure out he was ripping me off. <laughs> and, well, it's pretty simple, actually. When you look at a pasture full of horses, it's impossible to say whether there's 40 or 36 or 32 horses. Until it gets under 30, it always looks like 40. <laughs> anyway, I lost $20,000 in horses and feed, and Josh ended up feeling guilty about that and the other hundred things he had done, and he drank himself enough to drive his truck into a ditch and flip it end over end until he came out of the windshield and it landed on top of him. Just like in my dream a couple of months before. His daughters are in Girl Scouts. Beautiful children. And they make sure to come by my house and ask for me to buy cookies every year. I buy a lot of cookies from them. For whatever reason, I feel a little guilty that I wasn't able to change their dad, Josh. He was the way he was. He didn't learn how to be bad. And as far as I can tell, he had no traumatic life experiences that caused him to be an outlaw. I think death regurgitated him back into the circle of life, spit him out in front of all of us, and he played out his story just as it is written. His wife and children put up a small cross where he died alongside the highway, Highway 105, just before you enter the broke-down town of Toronto, Kansas where I once made millions. It's been several years now, maybe five since he died. The small white cross has a faded picture of Josh and one of my horses decoupaged on it. You might find it odd, but I think of Josh 
and not my horses every time I pass it. And I just shake my head and smile. Thanks for listening to my podcast. Everything is a story worth telling. Even if it's about a guy that killed a baby deer, hid it in a trunk while he ran from the cops. Let's talk again next week.